this week on the Roommates Podcast. You got to be the CEO of your life before you can ever be the CEO of a company. Yeah. And that's something I tell men on a daily basis. That's the reason why when you look at my content on social media, I'm always driving the point of, King, what are you doing in your private life? Right? That's not something we want to talk about. We always want to talk about hustling. We're talking about making money. What are you doing in your private life? For sure. You know? In your private life, are you very, do you lack the level of discipline when it comes to women? Are you sleeping around with chicks every single night? You know what I'm saying? Are you are you are you up on Instagram watching ass pics and and double tapping those double tapping those pics that's coming up on your explore page to where now your explore page is so filled with naked women that you can't even fill your mind with anything positive. So if, if, if anything, that's actually ruining your business because that's all you're thinking about. You know. So for me, I tell men all the time, what are you doing in your personal life because that drastically affects your business. What's good, everybody? This week's podcast is brought to you guys by our sponsors over at Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning community with thousands of amazing classes covering dozens of creative and entrepreneurial skills. You can take classes in everything from photography and creative writing to design, productivity, and more. So whether you're returning to a lifelong passion, challenging yourself to get outside your comfort zone, or simply exploring something new, Skillshare has classes just for you, and we've been telling you guys so much this year make sure you hop on skillshare so many dope amazing classes you guys will love it so be sure to join the millions of people on skillshare today with a special offer for the roommate community you guys get two free months of skillshare premium use the offer code roommates at checkout go to skillshare.com roommates two free months of skillshare premium check it out trust me guys you won't be disappointed with all the things that you'll be able to learn Yo, 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 we are back, we are back, we are back, and guys, I'm so sorry, unfortunately, there's no Christopher Jordan Bilo. I know how much you guys love him, I miss him, you guys know how he has to work in Indiana sometimes, so unfortunately, he's not able to be here, but I'm in the beautiful city of Philadelphia, and no offense to Philadelphia, <laughs> but the last time I was here, I said I may or may not be coming back. But I decided to come back, so that means that these next two roommates, you guys, are really gonna be excited for and is gonna give you guys a ton of amazing value. These are two people that John Mark and my sister Tyra, I'm gonna shout you guys out because I know you guys are killing me for not getting them on the show earlier, but they're here. Guys, please give a very special roommate's welcome to the one and only Prince Donnell and Dana Chanel. What What's up, guys? Hey. What's happening? Yo. Appreciate you for uh, inviting me onto the show, yes, thank roommates you. and. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to provide as much value as I can, transparency, yeah. to change lives, change finances, start businesses, whatever it may be. So uh, one of the things me and Dana talk about all the time is we don't really like the small talk. We like to hop right into it. Ooh. Yeah, let's you know. go. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We so. have a business to run after this, so let's just get to <laughs> yeah. the point, let's get, please. Let's get straight to it. I'm not mad at it. So for the people who don't know who you are and what you do, can you give us a bit of an elevator pitch synopsis about who you are, what you do, and all that good stuff? Absolutely. So I'm Prince Donnell, CEO of Jumping Jack Tax, the fastest growing black-owned tax company in the country right now with over 400 licensed partners worldwide. We have officially shut down the tax industry, taking it over, and we are reestablishing our communities and taking back the services inside of a billion-dollar industry. 
Man, you know what? There was a guy named Carfe Anderson who talks about having like a, the perfect elevator pitch, and I want to give you that was one of the best <laughs> elevator pitches. Like that was Appreciate short, it. sweet, to the point, all that good stuff. I, I absolutely love that. And what about you? Do you have elevator pitch that you, or do you just go off of his? Hi, I'm Dana <laughs> Chanel, Christian entrepreneur. I make money and talk about God for a living. Uh, that's dope. Yeah. That's awesome. So um, really not much to it because I have owned so many different businesses. I mean, I'm known for Sprinkle of Jesus, but um, I guess we'll get into kind of like the plan and the execution of what we did to continue to expand. But people know Sprinkle of Jesus. It's 8 million people all across the world. It's the largest Christian app in the world. Oh, really? No, yeah. she's pretty heavy. So she, <laughs> I'm so her, Chanel. So her pitch, trust me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's pretty heavy. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's dope. That's dope. So I think the, 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 I like to have my conversations kind of like walking into the ocean. I think you guys want to jump right into it, but I kind of want to take a little step back before we get really deep. So dang, I just wanted to like cannonball in there. Okay, like, if you want to cannonball, you know what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, listen, if you just, however you want to do this it. This is your show. No, this we, is we, your we, show. Can, we can rock it. We can go ahead and cannonball. Yeah, right, come on. The people want to get right, straight to the point. Straight to the point. All right. If so. they want to know about us, they can Google us. They want to know how long we've been Thanks. married. They can they can Google that too. Follow. Thanks. Just do whatever. You know what? I love that. <laughs> so one of the biggest things that I've honestly I really, really resonated with with your you and your message um, is that what I found in this space for young African-American men is that there's not a lot of people who are gaining success doing positive things. Um, and it seems as though we have an emphasis on encouraging people to do positive things and to say what's good and to uplift women and to uplift marriage and to uplift godliness and to uplift faithfulness and discipline and, and all these great virtues. We share these things and we want to encourage people to, to do these things, but then the people who do these things are not celebrated. You know, they're not really uplifted and, it, and they're not able to really financially provide for themselves in an efficient way, which will continue to give them the positive reinforcement to continue to do the task at hand. So when I was seeing what you were doing, I was like really marveled by it. I was like, yo, that's so amazing because for the longest we were like, yo, we're the only ones doing this. Like we're the only ones and we're the best. And then I saw yourself, I was like, yo, we're not the best. And we're, not the, and we're not the only ones. We're not the only ones. I love him. I love you. You're so funny. And so, and, and like to me, it was like, I couldn't really wrap my mind around like somebody doing what you're doing to the level that you're doing it. And so my first question that came to the back of my mind was, is he going through the same things that I was, that we're going through? Mm, is these good. challenges that we're currently experiencing the mm. same challenges that you experienced at the very beginning of your career and of your journey? And wow, that's, that's one of the good. things I wanted to like, let's go ahead and let's talk about that. Absolutely. I believe I went through the same challenges, if not more, but it was just maxed by experience. Mm. Meaning that I was just super blessed to have a father-in-law in my life that helped to lead me throughout these past four years that made it seem like what I was going through was a piece of cake because mm. he was taking the bullets, wow. right? So think about having somebody that, and, and, and that's why the dynamic of having a great father in your household is so important because that man is supposed to help you to become a great man and then provide you with the vision. He's supposed to see things you don't see. So for me, I dodged so many punches just because he told me to duck. Mm. 
And I had I had so much trust in him and knowing that he wasn't going to fail me. So we so we start there. I had to have my trust in a man. And by the way, Sheesh. I didn't have my father in my life. So it was very challenging for me to even accept my father-in-law because I had trust issues. Do you understand what I'm saying? I've had men that failed me. The, the number one man in my life failed me. So it starts where you having someone in your life who is going to guide you throughout this process, right? Um, so it, it may look like I've handled it gracefully, but it was only because he had to go through the pain, mm. right? <laughs> um, and I'm thankful for that. But more importantly, I don't feel as though there are limitations on my life because of the amount of purpose that God has provided me, right? So a lot of times we look at limitations and we'll look at, oh, well, I'm going through all of these struggles and pains and stressors, and I don't look at it as a struggle. I just look at it as a wall, right? And when I look at a wall, one thing that we know for certain is that a wall can be scaled, depending on how you look at it. So for me, I look at every obstacle as a wall that I need to scale to get over to the next side of the blessing. And just to kind of talk about these struggles when it comes to business, to be very transparent with you, when I first left my job, which, by the way, my wife was the one who told me to leave my job. I was working for her. I was slaving for my wife when I first got started in entrepreneurship, serving her. And then I went ahead and started a jewelry business, Love Carter, selling inspirational jewelry at the time. And it's funny because I want to say about a year into the inspirational jewelry business, I had reached a high of about 20000 I was making every single month. Most money I've ever seen um, at my job, I probably was making about 18 bucks an hour, right? So I'm seeing all of this money come in, brother. Like, I'm talking about a lot. And uh, to me, it was at the time about a quarter million dollars a year. I want to say about eight months after making consistently around about 20000 a month, that whole e-commerce industry sets in and a dip happened. Now, once that dip happened, I went from about making 20000 a month to around about $2,500 a month. Now, watch how crazy this is. I went from having about $15,000, $20,000 inside of my bank account, most money that I've seen coming in, to where now I'm making $2,500 a month and a credit card bill of $15,000. So now I'm stuck right now. And here's what's funny. I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you the, the lesson behind this. When I started making the $20,000 per month, that's when I stopped listening to the very man who put me in position to make the $20,000 per month. And he was the one that, 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 that got me to that place mentally because $20,000 a month is not based off of a product or service. It's based off of mentality. He's the one that mentally put me in a position to get there. But once I started making it, I started blocking off the very people that provide me with the the insight and the messages to get me to that point. And that's why I felt. And then from there, he had told me probably a year prior to that, that I should go into the tax industry, but I told him no. And going back into the tax industry and listening to him was the very thing that now Jumping Jack Tax in a matter of six months made over a million dollars. That's awesome. So I want to, I want to, I want to, take a little couple steps backwards. So you said that, give us a timeline. When did you start working for, uh, when, you start, when did you start that jewelry company? What year was that? So I started the jewelry company while I was still working at the bank. Okay. I want to say I was about 19 years old. So six years ago. Okay, cool. And then it transitioned into, I want to say a year later, that's when I had met my wife. She told me to leave my job, but 
I was working for her and running the jewelry business at the same time. Sorry. Sorry, guys. My alarm. Oh, it's all good. <laughs> I so I, I was working for her and running the jewelry business at the same time the following year. And then I was running the jewelry business for about, I want to say about two years. And then that's when Jumpin' Jack Tax started. Okay, good. So now I have, I have a good understanding of that timeline. So one of the things that you were sharing was that your stepfather took all the bullets for you during that initial, like what does, what does that mean? What do you mean by that he took all the bullets for you? That's a good question. So what does it mean by he took all of the bullets for me? Like you got to understand success has history, right? And when you're looking, especially in business, right? People can talk a good game. They can say that they're self-made. I don't believe in none of that. I believe that there are people behind you who are, who are giants and you stand on the shoulders of that giant. Right now, a lot of people, they want to be self-made so bad in this Instagram society because they think it makes them look cool and actually it makes you look dumb because there's no way that you can have any level of success without having a great team around you of people yeah. who are brainstorming and bouncing ideas off of each other so that y'all can win. For example, I, I don't want to be AI. You feel me? I want to be the Golden State Warriors where Kevin Durant was on the team. AI didn't win a ring, although he's one of the best players of all time. Sheesh. Kevin Durant got a ring. And they all got they got they got three, so you see the difference here. Who actually won the game? Yeah. So for me, he over twenty five years. Just talk about Uncle Magic. He already had his own children's entertainment company for twenty years that was already massively successful in New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut. Always on TV, right? He was on TV. Had commercials. He had everything rolling. And funny enough, just to, just to, how crazy this is with Jumping Jack Tax. Do you know? That six years prior to, like, we started Jumpin' Jack Tax licensing out the brand this year. Six years prior to that, Jumpin' Jack Tax was already created by him. He created the mascot. Like, this guy is like a visionary here. He created the mascot. It was in his basement for six years, but he couldn't do anything with it because he, has, he didn't meet the right person yet. And I couldn't do anything with it because I didn't meet the right person. So 20 wow. years, he had already had this plan fulfilled. And then I ended up stepping in. I had to become the right person, the right man. And when I did, that's when he said, yo, I got Jumpin' Jack Taxes right in my basement, gave me the mascot, and then it turned, it turned up to that next level. So it's the, it's, that, it's, that, it's the thing of leaning on the people who are more experienced than you. And unfortunately, we have a lot of parents in our lives who have not done a great job for us. But we have to be responsible now for our actions and then our parents, we can't we can't let them off the hook either, and we gotta we gotta let them know, yo, you failed me, right? But outside of that, now what can I do to to move to move everything forward? So, I love that point about the the myth of the self made individual because the idea of being self made is preposterous because your parents made you. <laughs> so like there was a human being that gave you life to, to begin good. your life, yeah. but then even further like. Everybody benefited you in some way, shape, or form, whether they're the person who made you upset that put that chip on the shoulder, which made you want to build your empire, or whether it was a person who encouraged you and gave you the resources, which made you continue to build your empire. Every individual that came into our life to help shape and mold us to be able to do the things that God has called us to do. So I love that point about the self-made man. I mean, but I think it even takes it to a whole different level of this thing we consider self-made when we talk about business. 
I'm going to be honest. The only reason why we're even on this podcast today as a 25-year-old is because we are extraordinary 25-year-olds. Now, no 25-year-old becomes extraordinary without wisdom, knowledge, and experience. But how much wisdom, knowledge, and experience am I going to have as a 25-year-old? So when we talk about this this idea of being self-made, dude, when building a business... You make so many mistakes just because you don't know. You can go to college, you can take a class, but at the end of the day, an extraordinary real estate mogul, guess what? They didn't didn't get rich off of selling property. They got rich and wealthy off of how to make money off the industry. And those are two separate things. When we first start a business, we're actually conducting business. We are not yet an entrepreneur. An entrepreneur actually makes money off of the industry. So for example, with Jumping Jack Tax, we didn't go into it with this idea of, okay, we're going to become the best tax office. Once again, a new business owner, a 24-year-old, 25-year-old be like, you know what? I have to go create a big, um, the biggest tax office in Philadelphia. You're not able to dream that far due to the fact that you lack wisdom, experience, and knowledge. So of course, we grew so quickly and we knew Once again, knowledge and experience before us, we're not thinking about licensing. Do you get what I'm saying? Where the idea was dropped, okay, you know what? Maybe, maybe forget taxes itself. How do we actually maximize off giving people the opportunity to own their own tax business? We all know that in order to become wealthy, you have to make other people rich. Do you know how, let's just break that down for a second. In order to become wealthy, you have to make other people rich. When you are a 20-year-old, you are the most selfish individual, especially as an African-American, and this this is how deep it goes, because we are fighting to survive. So it's not that we don't even want to not share. It's we, we, what are we sharing if we don't even have it for ourselves? And so for us, we have, would have never gotten to this place if there wasn't someone before us who won, been in the drug game before. That knowing that sharing could be deadly if you didn't do it. Can we agree? Yeah. We, watch, we watch Power. We watch all those shows. When you don't share, it is deadly. Yeah. You know what I mean? Who has, has, has had to you know, overcome and be the hottest children's entertainment company over all the other ones who were there before him. So it's like we talk about this idea of self-made, but your brain capacity is not supposed to operate that way. It's not, it's not supposed to operate. The, the, the beautifulness of being able to go ahead and bounce an idea off of you and then like, no, no, no. Actually, you know, two years ago when I met this guy, he told me this and then he was like, yo, really? Then maybe we should do the idea like that. Do you get what I'm saying? And so for us, the only way we were able to, and we're even on this podcast, we're even extraordinary for people even want to hear our story, is because we've excelled beyond people our age. So right now, you're talking to about 40-year-olds. Because we've been poured into by an extraordinary man who is disciplined enough to say, you know what, I know that family legacy is more important than whatever I could pull off on my own. And so let me go ahead and distribute whatever I have before I die to the kids that I know that can continue the legacy. That's why you're talking to us today. So that self-made stuff, there is always someone who literally saw you and said, you know what, I believe in it. And so you know what, I believe in it so much that I'm actually going to pour into you everything that I have I know. But most importantly, take it to the next level. What we got to do to make it happen? I'll contribute financially. And that's the difference. And so being self-made does not exist. Someone believed in you enough to help. 
You cannot row and operate up. You just can't do it by yourself. But you know what it is too, Dana? A lot of, and this is something I struggle with, a lot of young black men are very afraid to share. Very afraid to share. And, and I want to just pose this question. Would you rather take 100% of $100,000 or 50% of a half of a million? 50% of half a million. In theory, logically, that sounds right. You will, you, you will split 50%, but what happens when you actually got to sit at the table with a deal and that mentor that say he's going to help take you to the next level wants 50% of everything you have, and then you're saying to yourself, I don't want to give that up. Good. But then you realize that you actually just lost $150,000 just because of selfishness, yeah. right? And that's where, that's where as, as African-American men, our minds have to change in the in, in, in sense of, yo, we're stronger together than alone. You, absolutely. Yeah. And, and and here's I'm gonna tell you a bigger thing, because now now it's starting to roll. Yeah. Watch, watch this. <laughs> I'm getting excited. Watch this, yeah. watch this now. Because Dana talked about something about about that sharing. And my father-in-law taught me something super important. You never want to be the best store in the mall. Yeah. You always want to be the mall where the best stores store are in. are in. What does that mean? If you go inside of a mall right now, you've probably noticed that stores close down on a daily basis. They, they, it's, it's up one day, it's down the next. You just don't know because people's tastes change. But guess what never changed? The mall. Now, you, now, there are situations where people technically will say, well, malls are closing down. No, malls don't close down. The way that people shop just changed. Amazon is a mall. Macy's is a mall. And a mall is one that sells other people's products to help them make money through their brand. And, and it goes even deeper than that, right? When we talk about licensing like Dana talked about, do you know that Walt Disney is the biggest licensor in the world? You know how much money Walt Disney made last year off of licensing? $50 billion. $50.7 billion. Not off of you going to Walt Disney. Not from, you know, amusement park, none of that. Movies, not off no. movies, nothing. Just straight off of... Crazy. Giving, just straight off of... <laughs> Them letting you use the Mickey Mouse brand, they made $50 billion, yeah. right? Here, I'll give you another story. You know, are you a Star Wars fan? Of course. Okay, no. so you know so you know this story very well with George Lucas, yeah. how he was trying to shop around the Star Wars brand for a very long time and trying to get somebody to believe in his dreams so much to produce this movie, and everybody turned him down except for 20th Century Fox. 20th Century Fox decided to give him a deal, and... He was smart enough to understand the power of his name and the power of licensing and being able to make money off of sharing that he said, hey, 20th Century Fox, I'm willing to let y'all make this movie, but I need 100% of the rights of all my licensing, of all my IP for merchandising. I need all of that. And 20th Century Fox said, well, we don't believe in the brand anyway because we don't think it's really going to do well. We think it's going to be a bust. So you know what? We'll let you have all of your rights. We're just going to take the director's, uh, the director's raise for any sequels that you do moving forward. Worst decision they've ever made because George Lucas went on, Star Wars became big, and now he sold his IP and his name, the licensing, yeah. to Walt Disney for $4 billion. Even deeper than that, Coca-Cola makes a billion dollars a year without selling soda. They make a billion dollars just off of people wanting to put the Coca-Cola brand on a T-shirt. They don't even got to sell soda no more. Really, like, yo, that's a soda company. They don't even got to sell soda. Like, if sodas never sell again, they still made a billion dollars. 
Imagine how cool that would be to not even have to sell a product no more, but you make a billion. And that's what we did with Jumping Jack Tax, where now it's not about taxes. It's not about software. It's not about the marketing that we do. It's about the fact that people are walking around with this Jumping Jack Tax name. We make money off of licensing this name out to people because guess what? We built the brand. We didn't build the product. Which which leads into the foundation of all of our companies. We are in the marketing and advertising business. We can build a brand within minutes. And so my thing is, when we build a brand, are we called to hoard or distribute money as believers? And that's what makes us Christian entrepreneurs, is that we believe that at the end of the day, and I say this all the time, us as African-Americans, we are extraordinary. Our ideas, our creativity, our um, the way that we dress, what we look like, we are just extraordinary all the way around. But the issue with the, the family right now is because we're so broken, what ends up happening is we just breed broken people with no plans. And so for us, we knew that it was our duty to create plans, our businesses, you know, with jumping jack tax, open your tax office with Alakazam apps, build your own freaking platform because you don't own social media. You know what I mean? With Sprinkle of Jesus, we give people the platform to advertise their books, their products. With Curl Bible, we have 250 women across the country right now who did not have somewhere to sell their product because they would nowhere near be in Walmart or Alta or Sephora, and we gave them a platform. We realize what we have, we have to continue to give access to other people because that access was given to us. And right now, the only reason we are not flourishing economically is because we do not have a plan. Our family, when we sit down, we are not having family meetings. We're not having family meetings about credit. We're not having family meetings about mortgages. We're not having family meetings about, okay, what is our family's legacy and what's the goal after the oldest person dies. What is it that they're leaving behind for us to continue to thrive, not survive? Because I'm done surviving. That's over. I'm challenging every black family in America is done surviving. Let's actually thrive now. And so for us, we knew because we have a strong family unit, every single family member who is the head of the company here is making a million dollars with every single company with no problem. How can we extend that same grace, that same plan, that same opportunity to every other black family in America who doesn't have that opportunity or the parent that's smart enough to, to create the plan? And just to end off this point, because I know, know you got more questions, just to end this point off for you, I'm challenging you yeah. to understand this concept of licensing, mm-hmm. right? And understanding this concept of providing opportunity to people because you with this with the podcast right now, it's popular, and it's going to get even more popular, but there's going to come a time where you, where your popularity is going to fade. Another podcast brother is going to come around, and then he's going to sit in here and do this interview, and then they're going to forget about you. That's just how it works. Look at the rap game. You see you see, Fetty Wap. He had, he had three hot songs. We don't even hear from homie no more. You know, So I'm just challenging you with the Roommates podcast is you're going to reach another level of income when you no longer become the popular podcast, but you have a platform that is promoting the popular podcast. Basically, and I challenge you, take it if you want, but instead of having a room with roommates, give the other people in the dorm the opportunity to create their own podcast. And, that, and, 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 and to use rooms. your brand, and to use your brand for that podcast, and now they all are paying you to be on your platform. 
No, that's dope. So let's go ahead and uh, <laughs> let's go ahead and. You might want to cut that one out so no one takes it <laughs> no, before no, you no. execute. <laughs> no, it, it's, it's funny because I like I'm going on a random note that I want to get to the point at hand to that point. I actually like giving other people the idea because end of the day, the best execution is what wins, not the first executor. I I, I disagree with that. The, obviously, the first has the advantage, right? Yeah. But the best is what's going to win. Absolutely. And then usually a lot of times you can give people all the advice in the world and give them the blueprint, but are you actually going to go up and wake up and yeah. get out of the bed and to go and file the LLC and to be able to invest your money in your business and be able to spend the long hours to create and sustain that business? For so sure. a lot a lot of these things, like we can give free game all day long, but people got to go ahead and do it. They do. And so I know me. Like if I want to do something and you want to do it, not saying you, I'm saying someone in general is like, let's see if you're really going to do it. But let's, 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 I'm gonna, I'll digress from that point. I absolutely got so excited <laughs> when you guys were talking about one of the challenges in black America. And before we go ahead and dive into this, I want to preface by saying it's so easy to be the people who are the referees throwing the flags and pointing out all the flaws in black America. I think it's a very popular and easy thing to do, to just dump on it, to pile on it. To oh, yeah, be we, you know, <laughs> internet, the fake woke people. They it's, have it's every so, single problem in the I open. like where you're going. Yeah, so I, 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 love I, I love that. And, and to me, there is a time to be able to throw flags and be like, this is what's wrong, this is the problem, this is the issues. But even greater than being a referee, I think it's important to be a player in the game, which is what I love that you guys are doing. You're not just coming here and telling me everything was wrong. You're saying, These, this is what's wrong, Here's how to fix it, and here's what we're doing to fix it. So I want to spend some time focusing on that right now as we begin to unpack some of the challenges in black America, which is why I love that Allen Iverson point that you brought up. Yeah. I tell people all the time, my favorite basketball player, and nobody will guess this. Are you guys big basketball people? Not uh, I, I'm, I'm, so I'm, you can I, ask him. I, I might, he not, can I might guess. not know all of the history. <laughs> just but. Right now. Is there just just throw a random person out there? Who do you think my favorite? You you don't you have no idea, but I'm curious. Who do you think my favorite basketball player is right now? Nobody will guess this correctly. I'm just curious if you can guess this. Scottie Pippen. He plays right, right now. now. Oh, he plays right now. Yeah. yeah is he on a popular? Is he on a popular team? Championship team? He's a, a young team, up and coming team. Hmm. Just guess something wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm not the best with basketball, but players' names. Okay. So my favorite basketball player is Lonzo Ball. You, what's so funny is I was about to say, yo, I was about to say. That's the no, only person so I know right now. I was about to say Zoe. Yeah. I was going to say Zoe, but then I was yeah, like. Yeah, right. That that's was, what they all no, say. No, no, I had it. That's you, what they all you said, say. No, when you said a young and upcoming team, I only thought of two teams. I thought about the Lakers and the Pelicans. Yeah. So I knew it either had to be somebody on that team. I was going to say Zoe, but I just said, I don't know. All right. Tell us the why. And here's why Lonzo, I love Lonzo Ball. Because Lonzo Ball is known for giving and not scoring. He's known for distributing and making everybody around him blossom and thrive and not being the person who's going to put 45, 50, and 60 points. So we see all these players today in NBA who are able to score 50, 60, all these miraculous amounts of points, but their teams don't win championships. They may win scoring titles. They may win MVPs. They may go to all the all-star games. But at the end of the day, what really matters is the championships. The and you just scoring all the points and being the flashy superstar means nothing at the end of the day for your legacy. And if so, you're a loser still. If you're still a loser. <laughs> yeah. Look at Russell Westbrook. Yeah, yeah. And so your point about everyone wanting to be Allen Iverson, like that resonated with me because what has happened is 
and and I understand why. I understand the historic reasons to why we in the yeah. black community feel that way. And I have all the sense like being Nigerian Americans, a little bit different, but I understand to an extent why black Americans would feel that way. But you and I both know we really believe that in order for if if him and I are competing, I have to win and you have to lose. It is a zero sum game. Yeah. I I have to win. I can't help him. I can't put him on my podcast and spotlight him and tell everybody to follow him, which if you aren't doing so already, you're missing out and follow her as well. I can't do these things. I can't share you on my social media and bless you. I can't say, yo, here's my phone right now. Whatever contact that you need that I have, it's your way because mine is yours and vice versa. I can't do that because if in order for me to win, you have to lose. And that's the way we view the game. We view that there's only one king on in the castle. There's only room for one of us. So therefore, the only way for me to win is to tear you down. It's not like Gary Vee talks about all the time. It's two ways to build the tallest building in the town. The first one is actually build the tallest building in the town. The second way is to tear down every single building. So yours is the only building standing. And then we have that mindset and that attitude and that sentiment in regards to the black community. And so what has happened is, when people really understand how wealth works, as much yeah, as we want to attack good. all the other ethnicities, that's they've good. gotten that. They've gotten that. In order for me to really Come win, on, preach, bro. Come <laughs> on. In order for me to win, I actually have to be a facilitator. I actually that's have good. to share the ball. Because at the end of the day, if, if I make $500,000 a year, right? But then if 100 people make $100,000 a year and I get 20% off of that, we don't got to do the numbers right Facts. now. You up. That's, you're, you're winning. And so... The allure of success, the allure of being the, the head man on campus, the allure of being the only king in the castle has crippled us because it actually limits the growth and the potential of your legacy and the longevity of what you're doing. And I, and I, and I love the point about being the brand, right, instead of just worried about being the store, I think you used the illustration, like being the, uh, being the mall and not just worried about being the store, and I absolutely love that. But one thing, and, and, I, and I, wanna, I wanna not just live off of this spiritual high, but I wanna get down to the nitty gritty of it. A lot of people don't play that game. And that's, where, and that's where I understand why some, even for me, and I want, I want you guys to share too as well, some people don't play that game. So it's really hard when you're like, yo, I wanna give to him, I wanna help, but you just wanna tear me down. I want to provide you opportunities, but you can use my opportunities I give you to tear me down. And unfortunately, what I've seen is that a lot of people feel like because nobody else is playing by these rules, because we're in, think about it, we're all in the backyard playing basketball. It's five of us versus five of them. You're not sharing the ball. He's not sharing the ball. I'm not sharing the ball. So why am I going to pass to you? I know you're never going to pass to me. So why don't I just get mine and you get yours however you can get yours? So I've seen that there's so many limitations that are going on where people really believe that I can't help anybody else for me to win. Have you guys ever struggled with that when you guys were building the things that you were building? Once again, when we have, like you said, like, I've studied the people before us. I've studied the Louis Farrakhan's. I've studied the Martin Luther King's. I've studied, um, what's the one guy that we were just listening to, his Breakfast Club interview? Umar, Dr. Umar? Mm -hmm. I've studied all those. And just the only thing that was a little frustrating at the end is, okay, 
we know these problems. And I think more than ever as millennials, we are the most confident and um, capable of distributing information of what's going on. Okay, but like, what now? Like, what? Like, okay, like, what do I do? Like, what tangible information can I take back to my family right now to get me out of my situation? And so for me, I don't really focus on where we struggle because that will literally depress my life. Not saying that you focus but, on it, but I'm saying, like, have you ever been, because obviously you run a very successful business. Yeah. Have you ever been in, been in positions where people you were trying to help or people you were trying to give to have hurt you and have done things negatively to you, which made you kind of resent giving your hand out to somebody else who could mm -hmm. potentially bite you. I don't waste my time. Okay. That's the difference. Yeah. Is a lot of time, a lot of the time, people <clears throat> try to prove points. People try to save everyone. Just like Jesus, I don't save anybody that don't ask. And in order for the Lord to come be your savior, for you to have a relationship, you have to do two things. Repeal and replace. You have to repent. And so my thing is, if you're not in a state of repentance with everything your family used to do or the situation that you're in right now, then there's only so much manufactured muscles I could give you with information and knowledge before, like you said, you're not going to go do nothing with it. I only feed people who are hungry. Yeah. I only feed people who actually come prepared with a plate and a fork ready to eat at the table because I know that the way that you operate after that with either being, being a, um, a source or a conduit of, of how we work together, boom, I know it's going to work. But one thing I truly 100% believe is it is hard to get this family on one accord. My sister, she was literally smoking. She was doing a whole bunch of stuff. I was Dana Chanel at the time. But you think I'm going to sit here and invite her and, and let her become an infection in what we're building? Hell no. That's not even an option. Because I'm be honest, our calling and what we're doing as a family and the way that we're distributing, not just a family business, but the way that we are distributing opportunity, you really, really think that I got people begging on the phone to just get a conversation with us because we yes. wrapped up. And I'm going to sit here and waste my time with my sister who's not even, even mentally prepared for what's to come. No. So you know what? We're going to thrive as much as possible. And if you don't fall in line with God's will or um, God's will for our legacy or for what we, what, you know, we have a family manual of how we operate with each other. You have to. When you got each person in the family making a million dollars, there's got to be certain ways that we operate money with each other, the way that we speak to each other, the way that we love each other, the way that we respect each other, how we treat each other. That has to be documented and we have to be held to a standard. So me, there is a standard with doing business with me just in general. People call our phone all the time. We consult too. We have people flying across the country coming here saying, hey, yo, help my family because we don't got it. But if you, don't, if, you not, if you don't come correct, excuse me, you know what? You can have your money back because it's just going to be a waste of my time. But I just think we are so right now in this season of loving without giving someone responsibility. And my love, I understand I'm supposed to be a Christian, but my love comes with a responsibility, especially with my work when other people are begging to be a part of this responsibility. And so for me, I would just encourage, especially I get that question a lot, like, yo, what do you do if my family is not on one accord? Like, what do I do if, yeah, of course they're going to be because you're just like them. So that lack of confidence, that insecurity, that lack of dreaming where there's nothing more that I can do than just get a government job or maybe go to the army. Of course, I understand that you're there, but I was fed a certain piece of knowledge and information, so now I was able to dream. I understand that you're not there yet. And so when you do become 
come ask for help and I'll be willing to help. But I do not close, I do not feed closed mouths because it'll literally, literally just be a point in time where my back is turned and you'll end up biting me because you, you're too hungry. But I, I, I say, do what you do, allow whatever family members are on board, continue to flourish and grow and guess what will happen? They'll get, the other family members will get so sick and tired of being sick and tired and living the way that they are, they're gonna say, yo, I need y'all. I'll do whatever. And when people surrender, that's when you finally have the opportunity for them to be open to change. Because me and you both know, you do not seek God and you do not see God. Seek with a K, you do not look and you do not even see him if you have not already been prepared your mind and your spirit for revelation. And I don't give revelation. I can't, it only can come from an individual. And so if you're sitting here trying to prove a point, you're literally going to go crazy as a leader or the CEO of your family and the CEO of your business if you're forcing upon people to understand the mission. You let them see it, just like they see Beyonce's album, just like they see the title app, just like they see the new Jordans. They receive a revelation that that's what they want, right? Well, when something finally becomes more important, they'll submit to the plan. So no, we do not have anyone in this office that we do not believe is down for the cause. My follow-up to that is that, and I could be wrong, that sounds like a, a perspective that's gained from experience. So was there ever a time in the beginning of either of you guys' career fields, whatever it may be, when you may not have been on this mental note of, I will only take a camel to water, to the well, who really wants to drink? So was there people who maybe at the beginning when you were younger, when you were starting off at 19 or when you started your, um, six years ago when you started the jewelry business, where was there any time where somebody tried to help you or you tried to, well, let's say somebody tried to work with you and you partnered with them and they burned your hand? Was there ever a time anyone ever burned your hand at the beginning? Well, I think... Uh, it's I, that that's just a, that's just common. Yeah. That that that's going to happen to everybody, right? So we can of course say yes to that, but I think there's a deeper perspective to that. Now, one one thing is I, I read the Bible a lot, and I understand that as a child of God, with me having equity in the kingdom, I have all dominion and I have dominion and authority over all things. God said that, which means that. I have more power over the enemy, which a lot of people don't, don't realize that part either. The enemy cannot do one thing to me. He actually can't even lay a hand on me. But what he can do is suggest certain actions that I can make to sabotage myself. So in essence, nobody can actually smack down my hand or cause me to make a bad deal. I sabotage myself. And here's how it works. The, the enemy's strategy now, since he knows he can't do anything to you, is to only put you in a 50-50 coin flip. You, you, ever, you ever realize, like, heads or tails? Heads. And now it flips, and you want to hope, hope that it lands on heads so that you win. That's the enemy's task because he realizes that he can't force you to do anything. But God also gave you free will to be able to choose, so he exploits the choice. Right? He exploits the choice. Now, what he does is... God is already on your side, so he's going to give you enough wisdom to know all of the facts. And I'm going to put this into a real-life story so people can understand. When I first met my father-in-law, he, he, he wanted to manage me, right? And 
Wait, manage you in regards to which, which like as far as as far as uh, career wise, okay, he was cool. only managing Dana at the time. Dana spoke to him and said, "Hey, Don's a great dude. Uh, I was also working on my brand at the time, but I needed a lot of help." So he said that he he'd be willing to manage me. I had to sign a contract, and I remember I saw I spoke about this in the beginning of the podcast. I saw what he did for himself, right? Because success has history. He had twenty years of experience in business. I saw what he did for my wife. And her building Sprinkle of Jesus and then Alakazam Maps and generating the kind of revenue that she was. And I saw where her mindset was at. So that was all the proof I needed to know that this guy knows what he's doing. Right? So many times God gives us the facts. Because God doesn't come, he sends. He sends the blessing into your life. But here's what happens. When God sends that blessing down, the enemy also knows that it's coming too. And that is going to be the very thing to catapult you to the next level of your life. That's what's going to help you to scale that wall that I was talking about earlier. So now when the enemy knows that the blessing is in front of you, he's only going to give you a choice now. But the way that he does it is he provides you with an another option. option. Just, like, just like in the Matrix, you see... Hey, the red pill or the blue pill? You know, if you take this pill, you're going to wake Why up. Why you changed your voice like you're that? You're going to wake up. and <laughs> No, because that's what that's what Murphy did. Hey, you take this pill, you're going to wake up. And, uh, you know, nothing ever happened. But if you take this, I'm going to take you deeper into the rabbit hole. You get what I'm saying? I'm, I'm going to wake you up. So <laughs> it was like, in a sense, the enemy wants you to take that pill where you just wake up and don't receive the blessing. So what ended up happening was he offered another suggestion of this manager that I knew nothing about. And at the time, that manager had a connection with my mom. Now, of course, since the enemy knew, knew that my mom only wanted to protect me and, 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 and make sure that I, that I was making an informed decision, he, felt, he found a way to be able to work through her to be able to say, hey, I have this manager, though, who says that she can do this, this, and this, but I had no facts of what she did for a living. So on the, from a logical perspective, the, the manager that I should have chose was who? The other one. My father-in-law, mm-hmm. because he has all of the facts. Logically, he has every, everything that I said that I needed. This woman I knew nothing about, no, knew nothing about her history, but there was an alternative there that made me start thinking. Now, here's what happens. The enemy wants you to think, and he doesn't want you to pray. And he, don't, he doesn't want you to stay connected to God because you already know the decision that, that, you, that you know you should be making, right? Now, had I made the decision to go with that woman, which I don't even want to know where my life could have ended up, I wouldn't be sitting here in front of you today. You know what's crazy, though? You, had, you asked the question, you said, essentially... Has ever has anyone ever burnt your hand or kind of slapped down the hand that was given to you? And I was sitting here, and usually I'm listening to what he's saying, but I wasn't listening at all because <laughs> I was thinking. I don't think the real question is who's burnt my hand, but who's currently burning it right now? I asked myself that question, and I realize what person in my life is benefiting off of my success that gives nothing in return? I just thought my mother. We can cut that out. <laughs> no, we don't speak. Oh, we can keep it. And I was, I was just thinking about that for a second. I said, how am I giving her the ability to burn my hand? And we don't even have a relationship. I'm probably, can we agree that it's all our parents' dream for our kid to be the most successful individual that they could possibly become? The reason why we take our kids and put them in soccer, basketball, um, we watch them flourish in sports and go to their games and talk crap because we're just so excited that we finally see and we get the ability to have a cheering moment from something that came from us. And I'm not a, I'm not a parent yet, so I don't know what that feels like, but I could only imagine because the euphoria that my team gives me 
when they accomplish a new goal or that they've overcome a demon is extraordinary. So actually my spawn, I would, I could, um, I couldn't even imagine the feeling. And so I look at my mom and realize that this woman hasn't spoken to me and haven't even had a conversation with me for the past couple years. Very short, if I'm ever around her, I can literally feel her eyes rolling in the back of her head of just discontent, contempt, like just frustration. I don't know if it's because her and my father don't like each other or that she looks at me and I'm everything that she's not or that she looks at me and I'm everything that she did not become. I'm not really sure. But because of the loyalty that I have and the discipline that I have for the legacy of this family, I'm 100% okay not going in the past and saving a generation, but moving forward and saving the next one because they're open and willing to learn. And so this summer, my little sister had came to live with us. And that entire time, my mother didn't call me once just to ask me how her daughter was doing. You just gave and handed someone over your kid who's 15 years old. Can we agree that the normal thing to do would, you know, how is she doing? Is she behaving? Um, If this was a situation, hey, does she need any money? Do you want me to put some money aside for her? I'll send you something to maybe add some groceries to the house. I know she's living with for the whole summer. Is there anything that I can do? She didn't call me once. So she will, and I'm okay with this, she will one day benefit off of her kids thriving and financially successful to one day take care of her. But yet she bypassed the very person who was the conduit of it. She trusts me, obviously, with her daughter. Steve. She trusts me, right? You wouldn't just send your daughter off to live with someone. So she trusts that I can pour into her children but she refuses to pour into me without even just asking, how are you doing? Don't you think that that's the first thing for us to put our parents on because of all that they've done for us? For sure. But do you give to a parent who hates you? We hired his mom before we hired mine. Would I ever bring her into this space? She is an infection waiting to dilute every potent will of God in this space because of her energy. Not because she's evil. Obviously, she loved me. She cared for me. She raised me. But I truly encourage when you brought that up, keep people very far away from God's will if they're not willing to put towards it. And so to me, the reason why we save ourselves a lot of time from bad relationships, and I'm going to be honest, and that where we don't fall into that trap a lot is because you see the fruits of someone's heart and labor before you even have something to give. And so my thing is, even here, you come here, you work for free for 30 days. I first wanna see your energy, who you are, where you come from, and not saying it gotta be perfect, but I need to, I need to know what I'm now adding to the wolf pack. It, 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 we call ourselves the wolf pack. Now what are we adding? What kind of dynamic, what brokenness are you coming in with that can we manage, can we help, can we assist, can we help you grow? And so my thing, it is very, very dangerous to just want to help everyone if they're not willing to help themselves. And so, I don't know, that just came to my mind and, and I, even just showing the family dynamic of understanding how, yeah, we're building legacy and we're, we're, we're supposed to be um, 
building up the family unit, but there will always be people who are not there once again receive the revelation that can only be a danger and pose a threat to what you guys are building. And so my thing is we give to everyone who's willing to give to us. And anyone who's not, I could care less of who you are. You do not belong in this home. You do not belong to this ministry. You do not belong to this church because you have to you have to give to get. Man, so um deep. Appreciate you sharing that. That was that was that was really good. Um, but nobody want to talk about that with entrepreneurship. We are real people no, with dope. real issues and no. real problems trying to manage. Okay, we can do this business thing. Yeah. Can we agree? You coming, setting up this podcast was the easiest thing you've ever done. But managing people yeah. and managing how we facilitate and how we create great content and how we how we um, distribute it. The the masterminding between the building process is the most difficult, not the business. Building is difficult. Not business even, is not, not even that. You got to be the CEO of your life before you can ever be the CEO of a company. Yeah. And that's something I tell men on a daily basis. That's the reason why when you look at my content on social media, I'm always driving the point of, King, what are you doing in your private life? Right? That's not something we want to talk about. We always want to talk about hustling. We're talking about making money. What are you doing in your private life? For sure. You know? In your private life, are you very, do you lack the level of discipline when it comes to women? Are you sleeping around with chicks every single night? You know what I'm saying? Are you are you are you up on Instagram watching ass pics and and double tapping those you know, double tapping those pics that's coming up on your explore page to where now your explore page is so filled with naked women that you can't even fill your mind with anything positive. So if, if, if anything, that's actually ruining your business because that's all you're thinking about. You know. So for me, I tell men all the time, what are you doing in your personal life because that drastically affects your business. So, I, we're gonna we're gonna pivot to that topic. <laughs> I want to say something real quick about what you just shared, and the reason why I asked you to those questions. I've said this in the past. You guys have a home. I can only imagine. You have a plumber that comes and does a bad job. Here's what a lot of people do, in my opinion, in the black community. And I'm not picking on us. I'm just being. This is how I feel. A plumber comes, does a bad job. That plumber sucks. I'm not working with that company anymore or that individual. Send me some, well, sometimes it's, send me a different plumber from the same company. What happens is a black plumber comes and does a bad job. That's why I don't deal with black people. What we, what we a lot of times we do is we allow a few bad experiences to prevent us from blessing our people. We allow this mindset that was infected in us for hundreds of years of this hatred of self to be so easily to be stimulated when somebody from our community wrongs us. And, and I asked you that question because what I've seen from you two is that, because I knew the answer was yes, you know? It wasn't like, I just knew it's not, it's not if somebody, it's not if somebody's gonna hurt you, it's when they're gonna hurt you. Because human beings, unfortunately, hurt. Yeah, we're imperfect. Exactly. And in business, we may not be at a level of customer service that we're just not ready. Exactly. And so even us, we've hurt people as well. But the beauty is not to get cynical and bitter and to group people into one category of demonizing them. So you're still able to hire black. You're still able to hire young entrepreneurs. You're still able to love and to give to those who are willing to receive that love and that blessing that you want to provide. And so I really want to encourage people that as you're because what, what I'm getting is people are like, yeah, I did that, but then this person did this, but then this person did that. And your point is, one, 
one, not to demonize them, but then you take accountability for allowing this person into your life. And I love the point that your wife brought up because she made it 100% clear. It is, it is me who brings you into my life. You're not going to come in and hurt me. It's my life. I am the captain of my fate. Obviously, Lord, Lord is, but, you know, God has given me the opportunity to, you know, to, I think you use the word, have dominion in my current life, in the That's life it. around me. So, therefore, I have to, if one person hurts me, you're gone. Somebody else get an opportunity. And I, and I really, really want to, like, emphasize that. We have to not be able to, because people are going to do wrong. While you're trying to do good, I love the scripture in Galatians where, where Paul says, he said, do not grow weary of doing good. Hmm. You can't. Because in due time, you, you will reap. And, and the point is that he Sheesh. knows you're going to grow weary doing good. Mm. For because real. when you're doing good, it's, people are not going to do good back to you. won't always be reciprocated. And wow. And, and, wow. and so it's so easy to shut down and be like, you know what? You're not doing good to me. She's not doing good to me. Wow. He's not doing good to me. I'm not doing good to nobody else. But Paul's like, no, 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 no. Don't grow weary of doing good. And I just love that you guys are continuously through the family, through whatever issues have come up, you guys are continuously moving forward and loving and serving other people and giving people opportunities. And to the family point, before we pivot to the, the, the responsibility of men benefiting themselves and building themselves up, it's really fascinating that when you see in the book of Genesis, when God called Abraham, I believe it's in chapter 12, when God first called Abraham, when his name was Abram, he called him to leave his father's home in Canaan and to go, not sorry, in Babylon to go to the land that he promised him. And what's fascinating is that those who wanted to go with Abraham left with Abraham and those who wanted to stay in whatever where they were staying in with the pagan idols and whatever was going on in that period of time, they stayed. And never once did you see in that, in that area of scripture, did Abraham argue, like, come on with me. Come, 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 come. Even if it was his family. He had a mission. He had a mission that God has called him to go on. And, and in spite of what his family was wanting to do, in spite of where his family wanted to stay, he still went to where God has called him to go. And those who were left back, that's on you. On you. And, I, and, and so many times I see people, and what you're doing is probably the hardest. It, it, it sounds really easy, but it's probably the hardest thing to do is to say, Mom, I love you, but if you're going to be there, I can't, you can't come with me. Nope. I'm sorry. I love you. You gave me life. Thank the Lord for putting, for giving you the ability to give me life. But if you're not coming where I'm coming, you can't come with me. Because I have, like you said, I have a mission. I have a calling from God. And too many people will sacrifice. They will sacrifice the calling from God to satisfy the desires of man. And without, I don't spend too much time on it. And, and you see it in the scripture. Bro, you better keep going. You see it in the scripture. You see it. There's times when Jesus is doing something. And, and, and all blessed be to Mother Mary. <laughs> but there was times when Mary was like, Jesus, what are you doing? When Jesus was in the temple, why are you in the temple? When Jesus was teaching, oh, why are you teaching your brothers, your sisters, you're outside, come. But Jesus is like, no, I got a mission. And I'm sorry, if, if, if you guys are there, if you guys are going back to Nazareth. Do it. I cool. can't do it. Yeah, can't I got to be here. And I want to encourage people to really, it's hard, but to not let your family compromise the mission that God has called you to go on. I think just awesome. in general, though, even like family and friends, when one either getting out of bondage yeah. 
um, defeating demons in your life, emotional, mental, physical. Do you get what I'm saying? I think what happens is, is we're fighting for a cosign. We're fighting for a partner. And unfortunately, some of those testimonies that are you're only going to get to with a great story at the end is that test has to be taken alone. And so for me, I think one of the things that was implanted in me very quickly, because at the end of the day, when you don't have a family unit at home, guess what? The Holy Spirit and God's will for what a family unit looked like is still in your spirit. And so I remember literally being a high schooler and I would, I literally never lived at my house. I was always at my friend's house. And when I look back at it now, I ended up staying and wanting to be at my friend's house who had a family unit, who had a, a husband, a wife, and the kids, and even the grandmother was sometimes there. Shout out to Layla, Ashley Chung, fought her in high school, but that's neither here nor there. But um, I remember going there, and it's like our spirit is constantly being pulled to the very things we're supposed to um, duplicate in our life because maybe it hasn't been in our circumstance or in our household. But we're constantly looking for permission or looking for someone to encourage us. And unfortunately, guys, when it comes to business or your life and, and, and overcoming some of those things, yo, stop looking for somebody to, like, push you. Stop looking for a cosign. Stop looking for permission. Like, God didn't care if nobody was coming with him or not. He met them where they was at and said, yo, you the chosen one, but it's up to you. You ready? Let's fish for a different kind of men. You feel me? And so I just think the one thing that is crippling us in our community is we're looking around us and not seeing anybody doing anything extraordinary or doing anything different. And we're like, eh, okay, mm -hmm. cool. This is normal then. This is fine. Like, I'm okay. When, especially right now, when technology is taking over everything and then we have, you know, white people at the, the titans of this, this, um, this technology revolution, this technical revolution, we're going to fall behind the eight ball if we don't hurry up in now get into these need-based businesses that are going to give us a trade that is going nowhere. We are going to literally, you think unemployment for older people now? We're going to be screwed if we don't literally start having a family meeting and say, yo, what can we start business in? I, I heard Prince Donnell and I heard Dana Chanel, they got apps, they got um, a tax preparation company, they even got credit repair, they got what can we take and start now so that at least we know our family is good to pay the bills when this starts to happen. But it's like, dude, entrepreneurship is not something we see on TV anymore or just on social media. It's something that we all have to be willing to, like, we all have to be prepared to do. It's dangerous if we don't literally at a bad time, we get laid off or something and we don't have any thing to do or exchange our time in order to use people in our community or in our families. We can come out for a free block party. Then you can also sit a little table out there and say, hey, I know y'all know I could do your taxes, right? The, the, the local church congregates, right? Then go say, yo, you know what? I could do your taxes. Pastor, how about you let us put the tax office in the church during tax season? I give you 20% or whatever. I tied to the church, whatever you want me to, but we need to start facilitating. It's not about just building, uh, buying back the block. We have to actually become the businesses in the block or we're going to fail. Fact. Right now, if we go down Germantown <clears throat> Ave where we just bought our next property, if I go into every single store, guess what? They weren't born here. <laughs> but they have a plan and a strategy and say, so, you know what, when we come to America, we go ahead, go to the hood, we know that they spend money, Let's go do a business like taxes, car insurance. You know, this family go ahead and get a license and insurance. This person go do this. And we good. Yeah. 
we just had a serious conversation with one of our Jumping Jack Tax partners. And he said, yo, my community is extraordinary the way that they facilitate money. But what's interesting is they're so exclusive that they don't help anybody outside of it. So yeah, we help the mosque, but that's about it. And, and so right now we have all the problems, but we're willing to extend our, the inside of our family meeting and say, yo, come to us, let us help because it is dangerous if you don't come get it. Prince, how old are you? 25. Okay, so the point that you brought up about as a man, one, getting your house in order before you, one, bring anyone into that house, and two, try to complain about everybody else's house, or three, try to build more houses, right? What was that point, because you're a relatively young man, what was that point in your life where you decided to get your house in order? Like, what was that, like, turning point where you were like, you know what, that's a good question. On this day, I'm going to, as Paul said, put away these childish ways and wow. become a man. Like, yeah. what was that moment for you? Bro, that's a, let me just say, that's a great question. Thank you. <laughs> no, that's a really good question. Yeah. Wow. Let me explain this. Men build houses, but we can't build a home. The only way we can build a home is through having a wife. That's why the dynamic of man and woman is so important. That's why you have Adam and Eve. God created Adam to first fulfill, to find work and be fulfilled in his work. And then he will find a queen who would help him with that work to expand upon that blessing. Right. So we can do everything we want to do in building that house, but we don't get the home. I'm going to tell you when I knew putting the childish, those childish habits away had to had to come very quickly. Um, I remember when I first met my wife and how old were you? I was 20. 21, 21 years old when I first met my wife. It was back in 2015, okay? And from the very first day that we met, we were inseparable. Okay, my bad. Where did you guys meet? We met at a community college in Philadelphia. Okay. And then... Before we dropped out. Before we dropped dropped out of school, she ended up going to uh, live with her dad. And then I ended up uh, dropping out, working at my job. And... I, that's when I ended up sliding in her DM, I want to say about six months to a year later, because I saw her videos going viral online. And I was like, hey, what's up? You know, I would love for you to help me and mentor me with my business, right? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. I would love it. to help you mentor me with my business and everything, right? And, uh, and I do this for a living. And, so I'm like, um, oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> and yeah, so, but of course, I was sliding in the DMs. And uh, it, it was about a few months before she finally responded back. And wait, wait, to that message? Yeah, it was months before she responded back. She, Listen, the DMs were me, flooded. She told me a story of like... <laughs> he was one of many. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy, it's crazy, brother. And then, and yeah. then like that... Uh, <laughs> And then that, you know, that, that scene, you know how somebody can see, you know, if somebody sees your mess, that wasn't like a feature at the time, so I didn't even know if she watched it. So she told me months later, she was scrolling through, saw my page, clicked on it, then she saw the message, she responded back, and um, I had added my phone number there. It's so funny because I was just about to change the phone number that I had originally gave her months okay, previous, God. but never changed it. She ended up texting me while I was ironing my clothes one morning, and... Uh, it was a 646 number. So I'm like, this is New York. I think this is Dana. Come to find out, it was her. And we went on our first date about a month later. This was October 11th, 2015. Um, our first date happened. I don't even remember those dates. Yeah, our first date <laughs> happened. And ever since then, ever since then, we've been inseparable. But 
uh, here's what happened. Months, you know, I want to say about three months down the line, we didn't necessarily, I would say, hey, we're in a relationship, but it was like yeah. pretty, you're not, you're yeah, not like yeah, it's yeah, pretty yeah, well yeah. known, yeah. right? We're not seeing anybody else. We shouldn't be because we find this thing to be serious. Around that time, but it's still Dana really- was also, Dana was coming back and forth from New York City. So we had a distance problem two hours away. So I would only be able to see her on weekends. Now, at the time that I met Dana, I was in a particular stage in my life where I was still messing around with a lot of other women. Not to mention, since she was two hours away, it made it a lot easier yeah, for yeah, me. Yeah. So Plus, like I the, didn't know anybody in this community, so... Yeah, so, you know? so it was simple. It was, Carfax. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, was, it, was very, it was very simple uh, to, to do. So I'm messing around with a lot of women. And, of course, she asked me, was I talking to anybody? And I said, of course, no. That's the common answer to say, right? <laughs> That's what you do. So... Funny. Is that what you say? So no. Funny. <laughs> so, no. So funny, right? Um, she's at my house one weekend, and it's a Saturday, and I got to go get my hair cut. Now, I have my cell phone with me, and my iPad is sitting in the house. Dun, dun, dun. Now, you know how iPads are connected to iPhones, yeah. so if somebody sends a text message through, it could pop up on the iPad, too. Mm-hmm. Wasn't thinking about it at the time. So I go to the barbershop early in the morning. I go get my hair cut, and there was this girl that was texting me that I think I had went out on a date with, like I would say, probably like that week prior. Mm-hmm. And she was texting me back and forth. We were talking. I, I told her I enjoyed the the time and the experience. The time. And, uh, <laughs> an experience. An experience. And uh, I didn't know that on the other side, she was actually reading the text messages from the iPad. Mm. This is like so, live. This is before Instagram Live <laughs> came out. So I'm like watching this conversation. And then it was like, whoop, so, <laughs> so I'm driving. So now I'm done my haircut. I'm driving home. I pull up to, to my apartment. As I'm coming downstairs and I open up the door, she has her bags in her hand. She is mm. leaving. I was like, crap. I caught her. <laughs> I caught her as she's leaving. So I'm like, hey, what's up? What, what, what's going on? Mm-hmm. She's like, oh, I got an emergency appointment to go to. Mm. I can't stay. But I felt some yeah, type of energy. Yeah, and I'm like, hold on. This, I, this, this feels kind of <laughs> weird. I didn't know about the iPad situation yet. Yeah. But I'm like, why would you just storming off like that? We had a whole day planned. So she hugged me, gave me a long kiss, and then was like, hey, I'm out of here. She left. That was the end. Like, legit. Mm. I was like, end kiss. <laughs> I'm so out of here. after she left, yeah. I'm like stumped and confused on what's going on. So I'm walking around in my bedroom, and next thing you know, I see the iPad there with uh, the text messages sitting there, and I'm like, "Wow!" I left it beautifully, nice and prepped. <laughs> it was sitting. It was sitting on my. It was like sitting on my bed. And I'm like, "Wow!" And at that moment, that's when I realized that I was going to lose the best thing that has ever happened to me thus far in my life over a girl that I don't even know, mm-hmm. right? And thinking that this this temptation is better than legacy, mm-hmm. right? It's better than life, better than somebody that's pouring into me on a daily basis. Yeah. And from that moment, I remember, I want to say, I, I called her a few times, like two, three, four times, and she wasn't answering the phone. I haven't talked to her in days. So at this point, I'm thinking that, yo, I messed up. Like, how many times do you, how many times have you gotten to a place where you're like, yo, I wish it was something I could, I, I wish I would have done it differently? Yeah. yeah. Like, I, I'm, I'm not going to ever get another chance again. And there are a lot of times people don't get second chances. That's true. You know? I mean, I was just and, at a point, too. It's like, one, I know who I am and I'm confident, and an extraordinary man built me up. Yeah. So, I'm not going to let an ordinary man break me down. <laughs> no, for real. Like, I'm, I'm not playing. 
That just wasn't. I know you're not. <laughs> I just, just wasn't an option. Yeah. And so for me, I'm just very clear. Like, dude, like we can totally be friends. Like we don't even have to. Like, yeah. and I think that's what kind of frightened him a little bit because I was just so calm and confident in just my plan in my life. I was just like, dude, like it's like you don't got to do all that. Like it's totally fine. Like we can just be friends. So, so basically, I didn't talk to her in days, and then I remember. It was this one particular night where I'm just like, I'm like, I'm praying at this point yeah, yeah, to yeah. God at this yeah. point. And it's so funny how we always pray to God after we've done made yeah, mistakes. Course. And you already know what you weren't supposed to do. Exactly. And I'm praying to God at this point, like, please just give her a change of heart. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I promise you, I'm going to be so much different from this point on. I'm right. not going to do anything. I'm going to be faithful because I was dealing with, I was dealing with this, with this, this, this thing where, it's this badge of honor to sleep with multiple women. Yeah. It's this badge of honor to mess around with other women and not be yeah. loyal to one. Yeah. It's like it's it's a badge of honor in our in our community. It's it's also this 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 thing haunting us where it's also this thing haunting us right now in our community where in a sense I'm not a man if I didn't do a woman dirty and then I gotta ask I gotta ask for her forgiveness. Like you see it so much in like with celebrities like Jay-Z or Kevin Hart, where they've made them they've made mistakes and they cheated on their wife and it's like, oh well, she's just supposed to take me back. Is it like an assumed rite of passage? It, it, exactly. You know, and we're we're that's a we're dealing with that right now as men that, oh, I can just cheat, she's gonna take me back. Look, it's happened before. And why as men do we feel as though we have the right to do a woman dirty, but then also for her to forgive us and on our terms and respect yeah. us on our terms because we didn't do anything wrong. We're men. Listen, I'm a listen, sweetheart. I'm a hunter. You know, I can't control my sexual drive. That's a straight lie. Like that, like Devon Franklin said, you can't compartmentalize discipline. You said, bro, you was disciplined in watching the Eagles game every single Sunday. <laughs> you was disciplined in watching NBA. You was disciplined in going to the gym. How you're not disciplined with loyalty? Yeah. So in, in a sense, it, the, that's an excuse for you to not be loyal to your woman. You're making a choice to do that. And I realized that that was a choice I was making that I had to stop. And from that point, we ended up getting back together. She came back into my life. And I remember what totally changed my mind was... We were abstinent for about a year because she said she didn't want to, she didn't want to have sex at all. So for me, I had to go straight cold turkey and not having not have sex. You know, and from that point of not having sex, I didn't realize how much I was actually missing. Right? In the sense of uh and, and Napoleon Hill says talks about sexual transmutation and how basically all of that sexual, like, like men, like men don't understand. We don't, we don't truly understand ourselves. We don't truly understand like the power of our seed. Really think about this right now. We're walking around like semen can create a baby, and we're walking around just giving it away and just letting it go recklessly. Do you know how powerful? your seed actually is when used the right way. If it has the power to create an entire baby, what do you think it has the power to do if it stays within? So in a sense with sexual transmutation, what I learned was by me redirecting that sexual energy 
into creativity, redirecting the sexual energy into a business, redirecting that, se- that, 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 that sexual energy into learning about my wife, communicating with her, bettering myself and loving myself, I was able to now take all this energy that I would have just been given out and it's now within and I'm putting it into other areas of my life. And from doing that, it helped to shape the man that I am today. So I just encourage every man that's listening to this, be very mindful of, number one, who you're having sex with, Number two, how you are distributing out your seed and not actually redirecting that into things that actually matter. And number three, stop making so many excuses about the fact that you can't control your penis, bro. That, that, that like you just got to whip it out and that's just how life is supposed to be. That's not how life is supposed to be. You have to be disciplined in all areas of your life. If you want to be successful across the board and as a man, if you want to have control of your of your household and make sure that you're a great leader of your wife and kids, you have to have the ultimate level of discipline. You got to be the one that wakes up in the morning and prays over your family. You got to be the one that says to yourself, I'm not coming back home until I got food on the table for my kids because I can't tell them that I made a mistake. You have to be the one that has, that's the Superman for, for your children. Like Jay-Z said, like... Uh, uh, he, when Santa Claus is fake and the mask goes away and you go online and find out for Blue's Tooth, the Tooth Fairy didn't pay. People don't realize what, what he meant by that. There's going to come a day where Blue is going to see that he cheated on Beyonce. And the, the Superman that she thought she knew now goes away because of his lack of discipline. And I never want to get to a place in my life where my kids don't look at me with the utmost respect because I didn't respect the most important thing that they love, which is their mother. Man, um, it's a lot. It's a lot to, to go into with that one. Um, <laughs> I, sorry, to be, no, sorry to be deep no, about no, that, I man. Love, but it was, I love it. I love it. Man, I'm trying to make sure we don't spend four hours. So I'm trying to, <laughs> I'm trying to be respectful of your time. Um, I think the worst part about the hero narrative for the modern man is how, I'm, I don't know how you view this. This is what I personally think. I think the worst part is that it takes a woman or it takes hurting a woman before you get your life together. Like, you know what I mean? It's kind of like... You have to lose in order to realize what you have. Not, and it's not even that you have to lose. You, it's like you have to hurt, you know? It's like, why, why is the journey to health, I have to hurt you to get healthy? You know, why does a journey for me to take responsibility, I have to do something wrong and to lose what I care about the most before I come to my senses? It's a cultural norm. Exactly. And that's the point where, like, my prayer is that we change that culture. Yes. You know what I mean? My prayer is that we change that assumed narrative. Because, like you said, when it becomes a cultural norm, then it's just assumed, well, that's what we're supposed to do. But my thing is, we can't change culture. We cannot change culture if we don't change the one producing culture. And that is the home and the household and the individuals in it. So as long as it can seem like a huge fix by saying, oh, we got to continue to teach and do this. And listen, the this podcast will be nothing, will be nothing than a father sitting down his son and saying, yo, let me explain something to you. 
forget just the spiritual side of it because I know you looking at me saying, you know what? This dad, he's supposed to be telling me this stuff. But bro, you about to catch something out here that you can't get rid of. It takes for us to have serious conversations in the household like that so that, like the word of God says, your kids, they're going to wander. Yeah. Just trying to find themselves. But one thing they will constantly remember is the foundation you laid down. And we cannot change culture if we're not changing the individuals who actually influence it. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, I think I think what's important is, too, as men, we are responsible for speaking life louder than That's good. culture wow. today. Wow. Right? And I think a lot of us, we don't we don't take responsibility for that. You look at a lot of rappers right now. You, you ask yourself, why is the culture the way it is where it's so over-sexualized, where men over-sexualize women? Well, every single song, you have rappers that are talking about drugs, Percocets, drugs, Percocets, sex with multiple women, maybe two or three at a time, <laughs> um, and blowing my money on, on diamonds and jewelry and liabilities, Right. But how many men do we have that are speaking louder than that or taking the responsibility for their community? As men, we're supposed to take responsibility for our communities, not just for our household. Our household is every house on the block because it, it takes a village, a village to raise, to raise a child. Right. It takes a it takes a village for that child to see multiple examples of what great men are supposed to look like. Right. And as of right now, we are being dominated by culture, by the music, by by the enemy's playground is what we call it. That's being and it's orchestrated like, by white men in suits in a high tall rise building we'd never meet. Who have families <laughs> and probably don't even let their kids listen to that, that kind of music. Insane. So for me, it's like, yo, as men, we got to take this as oh a huge gosh. responsibility, brother. Like we got to step up and be the louder voice. We have to step up and show great examples. And that's why for me. I take this very seriously. People will be like, yo, why you down? Why you take your life so serious? Why you don't why you don't smoke weed? Why you don't drink anymore? Why you at the gym all the time? Why you respect your wife so much? Why you talk about abstinence? Because, brother, these are the things that I have to do to speak louder than culture right now that extreme. is causing that are causing these young kids and men to stray away from their journey and their path. And then I don't want them to wake up at 40 years old and realize, oh my God, yo. Lost. I was lost and I was stupid. We can't, we, like, we, somebody got to break it, but we need more men that's stepping up to, to take the responsibility. And, and unfortunately, I think a lot of men, the reason why we don't, we, don't like to, we don't like to step up is simply because we know that wow. we have to sacrifice ourselves wow. in order for the betterment of our people. Yeah. And I will say it is extraordinary black men like you guys that will end up being the father to many, yeah, and not just your kids and your. Well, home. Abraham was the was the was yeah. the father of father of you know many nations. And you know, be kids in your community, and, and and you guys will end up being mentors to young men, who you didn't even ask to be, but it will be forced upon you guys, and you guys will have to take take that with a certain level of zeal and with 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 love and responsibility, knowing that you've been chosen to do so. But I, I already know. God is going to use y'all in an extraordinary way. And I ain't even talking about the content. Forget the content where the YouTube, the podcast, forget that. I'm talking about the men that come into y'all space. These men are different here today because my dad, I was willing to share my dad. I was willing That's to share life. my father. That's real life. And everyone in this office, 
calls him dad. They respect and love him like a father. And so I just to speak life over y'all understand we're making a podcast, but yeah, I, I really encourage y'all like they will y'all gonna have a lot of kids. I'm just letting y'all know that. Yeah. And that's not y'all y'all that came out of y'all, but y'all gonna have a lot of kids that are gonna come to you and that are gonna need you and it's not gonna be up to you whether you say you wanna father them or not. And then that was the point when you brought up about the importance of fathers, because I just I can hear people who are saying, but I don't have a dad who can speak life into me. And that's what I believe you're doing. Like your wife just shared, that's who you are. Unfortunately, you know, I, I think uh, I'm probably butchering it up, but I believe it's James, is that where it says God is a father to the fatherless. But not just that, but then it's God is a spiritual father to the fatherless, but then there's also people in this new digital age who's kind of like now these digital fathers to the fatherless. And it's your message, and it's your family, and it's your life, and it's your faithfulness, and it's your example, which is now contributing to the benefit of somebody else and changing the entire generation. So I really want to salute you for that because that is kind of the mantle of the next generation, going back to the point about Lonzo Ball. Now your life isn't about scoring a whole bunch of buckets. Your life isn't about you being the richest entrepreneur or the most successful guy in the world. Now God has given you this mantle and this call in your life that you are going to impact hundreds of millions, if not billions of men of all different ethnicities, especially those within the black community. And that's something that I I think going back when we were talking about why did you create the show, um, like... I don't want to spend too much time and probably talk a little bit more about it later, but people see the show like three years, but they don't know my story from 19 years old. You know, they didn't know my story when I was playing college football, and I actually quit playing college football at the peak of my career because I wanted to mentor young men on campus. I felt more of a passion to be able to mentor, invest, disciple, pour into these young guys on campus than to play college football, and that's why I stopped playing football. And so all of this is leading to the culmination of where I am today, and and and. I, I really, I love that message about, like, one, how your wife brought up that if you're a young guy and you're lost, obviously fathers need to step up. If, you're, if you have a child and you have the opportunity to pour into his life, that's your responsibility. But for those who don't have fathers, there's Prince, you know, and there's all these great men, Devon Franklin. I absolutely love Devon Franklin. So many great men in this world who are being able to provide these opportunities and have messages and platforms and podcasts and videos and Instagram pages where you can get the inspiration, you can get the wisdom that, unfortunately, your father was not able to provide for you. But I want to I ask one, one thing, and then I want to wrap it up. So you've been doing your f- career since, like, you were 19, correct? 1920, yeah. Cool. So obviously you were way more successful than he was. so funny. I knew the question And what do you mean, Really? No, he said he knew you were about to ask this. Oh, I said, oh, really? Yeah. I, I didn't see this coming <laughs> at all. Coming from a mile away. Really? And yeah. and one of, and one of the things I was re- I was re- and it's so fascinating because I I was reading an article and I thought about the article about like how will this come up in today's so Psychology Today did a whole piece on the modern woman, and one of the challenges that they talked about the modern woman faces in the article was that she faces. Um, a limited amount of partners of equal financial status and in e- equal um, main, main thing was financial status, and that was one of the challenges a lot of these women were facing. But to me, from what you shared, it seemed as though you were very financially successful, and he wasn't yet there at that point. No. So, two questions. One was that like a hurdle for you, and was that like a challenge, and 
what would be your advice or response to a woman who says that is a challenge for her? Well, I was going to, I thought you, I thought you were going to pivot it over to me. I mean, if you want me to segue it in first, because it was something, it's, it's something interesting about that. I got to talk about Go because ahead, it starts again. It's the, that, that conversation has nothing to do with women and all to do with men. Yeah, of course. Right? Of that, course. That, it's that, never that, about it's not, putting the women down. Men, we have you, to raise you can't, it up. You can't demonize a woman no. for being great. Never. And that's basically in a sense of what we're, we're, we're about to talk about right now. <laughs> and basically, for me, I remember the conversation where me and my wife were driving to New York City. And this was right before I actually got started Jumping Jack Tax and the money that it's making now. And she, again, massively successful. She got Sprinkle of Jesus. She got Ala Kazam app. She had just started Curl Bible. Dana's financially set, right? Not, not so much financially set that majority of the stuff that we actually had from our house to the cars was being paid for by her companies. That I was actually, that I was, and I was a slave to her. But you got to think that as a man, because of cultural norm, yeah. for me, I'm stuck right now. I'm upset. I'm dealing with these trials inside of my heart and my spirit of, yo, I'm lost right now. I'm supposed to be like, I'm supposed to be the head of household. I'm supposed to be this. Like, this is how it's supposed to be because that's the cultural normal, what, it, what, they, what they told me. And I'm not doing that right now. And I feel, I, feel, I feel lost. I feel upset. And my anger and my energy started to seep out into her mm. every time that she achieved a certain level of success. So each time that she achieved a new, a new, uh, new level, it was like, ah. Uh, where is my blessing? Where is my blessing located? What is, like, God, what about me? Like, this, this, and I remember we were in a car one day, and she said something about, she was just talking about a business that she, that she was going to start and started breaking everything down, and we got to talking about being on an interview, and I remember I said to her, I said, hey, like, you know, right now I'm trying to figure out how to build up my brand. Could you just... While I'm in the stages of building up my brand, could you not try to overshadow everything that I'm doing, right? Stop overshadowing what I'm doing. Like, allow me to have that freedom and that space to shine, you know? And I remember it turned into a crazy conversation, brother. I would never. I, I, I would just suggest that you never say something like that. Of course. Learn from me. Yeah. Um, do never, never demonize a woman's success. And I remember... She started crying. We started having a, a real crazy conversation. She was screaming and everything. And I remember the, the statement that she made right before we got out of the car. And she said, Don, I just want you to, to hear me out. When we have a daughter, would you ever tell her that she could not be the next president of the United States of America? And I said, absolutely not. I will want her to be the very best that she possibly could. And I'm going to work my ass off to make sure that she's good. And she said, well, how do you look at me any different than your daughter? And so I said, respect me like your wife, but love me like your daughter. Yeah. Because you would, you would want your daughter to be better than you. So how is it that you are stopping me, your wife, from being better as well? Mm. And that was a huge mind, that was, that was man, it was a mind op like opener for me. And it brought me to this realization when it comes to men and dealing with what I went through. How is it that as men, we can learn from every other woman, from our supervisor, to our managers, to our coworkers, but we don't respect the very woman 
that's inside of our house that's turning it into a home. Why? And it's because of that fear of cultural norm, not realizing that you don't have a responsibility as a man. You don't have a responsibility of being the best. You have a responsibility for being a slave to your family and making sure that you are achieving the right outcome for legacy. And that is where the battle between men and pride is coming in play and not the legacy part, right? So I started becoming a slave to legacy and whatever needs to happen, I don't care if it's my wife, I don't care if it's my kids, whoever, whoever I need to help and whoever I need to protect as a man that is in position to move the legacy, that's what I have to do by all means necessary. And I got to put myself on the front line and I got to take the bullet to make sure that they are okay. Right? And then furthermore, beyond that, God knew I was dealing with that pride inside of my heart. And that's the reason why he didn't allow me to scale that wall to get to the next level of my blessing. Once we had that conversation about me dealing with demonizing her success and I started to become happy with it. That's around the same time that Jumping Jack Tax blew up and we made a million dollars in six months. So now God had to teach me a lesson and now we're at a point where with or without my wife's companies or businesses, we're still going to be straight because I could provide for my family. But he had to teach me that providing was so much more than money before he gave it to me. Providing is about being a slave to your wife and your kids, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, and being a servant and actually washing their feet and doing whatever is necessary and not thinking that you got to be the big dog of the house. Providing is more than money. And when we get to that point and when men get to that point of understanding that that's when the providing part that you're looking for from a financial standpoint, that's when God will trust you enough to bless you with that check, to bless you with that money because he knows that you are going to be able to facilitate and distribute that money out the right way. And that's why when people look at me and say, yo, Don, why are you so blessed? Well, it's because I've overcame that aspect of understanding that providing is not just about finances, but it's about ultimately being the father of many, right? And having a deeper purpose on my life of changing people's hearts. And now I have the ability to change people's pockets because I'm responsible enough to do so. Which then leads into um, when there, the way things are systematically made when it comes to, okay, let's say if you're, we're talking about like you working a nine to five, you working a regular job, most likely the woman is probably going to be in a better position and making more money and maybe has even been doing something a little bit longer than a man, which will then, she's a little bit more financially stable. You have to remember, we grew up at the age of three playing mom. Like we are already set up to be responsible. And so for me, I, I necessarily wasn't looking for a man that had the same bank account that I did, I was looking for someone willing to serve. And why do I say that? It's because everyone's life needs something different. Every single person's life, depending on what is it that you're called to do, your partner needs to be something different to you 
in retrospect of what uh, the Lord has called you guys to do to be there for one another and continue to build. But something that was very important, you have to remember, in my family and in your family and in someone's family, there's always going to be a Jesus, the Savior of the family. Now, everyone in my life had to be a disciple at this very moment in time due to the fact of the traction, the popularity, the movement. Why would we sit there and derail a train that's already moving? So everything and everyone in my life had to cater to the vision that was already working before we pivot. Do you get what I'm saying? And so I couldn't have a partner who wasn't willing to serve the mission and God's will for the family if it didn't, if it wasn't adjusting to, to serving whatever at that very moment, at that moment it was me and the company. And so, you know, of course, I've dated in the past, but there was one thing very, very different about Don is that the men that I've dated before, they wanted me to serve them with no purpose. They wanted me to serve them to fulfill their ego, not necessarily to fulfill a purpose. And so when I met him and he was doing, he looked me in the face and he was willing to trust me enough to quit his job the same day I asked him to. Remember, we were not married at this time. Not married at all. Not even engaged. He trusted me, and he was a slave to our companies and to the family business. That's when I knew that that was my husband. Because he was, he was willing, even not yet understanding, but his heart was such in the right place. And when you love your spouse enough, Last time I checked, what did he just say? He made a million dollars in six months. You will get there, bro. You will get there. But there had to be, it had to be patience. And I think people don't understand that. You think that you, there's this thing about being equally yoked in the spirit, but you're not going to be equally yoked in the world of the world standards immediately. It's just impossible. We come from different backgrounds. You know, we, some of us don't have a father in the household. We, we, we're playing on very different playing grounds, but when you finally get invited to the next playground, are you going to be a ball hog or are you going to be willing to share? You know what I mean? And he's always been in a space willing to share and willing to be uh, and learn, but he had to go through the same trials and tribulations into leadership before he even get ever got put in a position to lead his own company, just like my sister. You have to go through trials and tribulations first, the pruning, the training, just like any Olympic athlete before running a company. And he was not there yet. And so I believe that the Lord, you know, once again, prayer is a lot because unfortunately, no matter how powerful you are as a leader, there's certain things that God will never give you access to. And that is someone's intentions because it's their own and the ability to change someone's heart. That has to come from with them. And when he gave me that, without being asked or even having a suggested outcome, he changed the outcome of my life. And when someone changes the outcome of your life and is doing all that they can to make sure that they care, really think about that. Ask yourself, does your spouse, does your girlfriend, does your boyfriend, when you have conversations with them, does their conversations changing the outcome of your life? Not the right now but the outcome of your life. Okay, we could go to church together. That's fine. That's, that's, that may even be another thing. Oh, we go to church together. We pray together. Okay, but let's dissect what you're actually praying for. Are you changing the outcome of my life? And this man right here, 
wasn't even all the way there yet. And he was still willing to do what it was ever necessary to change the outcome of my life, of our life, and the future generation's life. And so for that, that's how I knew that that was my husband. Because when I, I once again, analytical, when I put this man who God gave me all the facts and then put it up against men who maybe were a little bit more successful, had a lot more money, had maybe even families already. Do you get what I'm saying? That I could, I could, okay, one of the things my dad was 100% like, oh, it's totally okay to date a man with kids because then you know how to treat your kids. Okay, I understand that as well. But they never had a conversation with me about changing the outcome of my life. They just wanted me to adapt to theirs. And if we continue to pour into one another, then the advancement of our life together is inevitable. But what are we doing today to change each other's life? And he gave that to me for four years. And I, and I, and I, I swear to you, my brain did not start blowing up until whatever was going on inside of my heart had to change. And I promise you that there were times where I kept struggling with this idea of, damn, like, entitlement is what I was struggling with. Like, damn, like, my wife is, she's killing it. She's going to all of these interviews. She's flying out places, and I'm just following along. I'm being a servant, and she's making a serious amount of money to businesses. She's starting businesses, and I'm just following along. I'm just being a servant, which I was okay with being a servant, but... I wasn't 100% bought in with the process of being a servant. So much so that I said that I had to say to myself, it wasn't about me. It's not about me right now. It's about you and it's about our legacy and our family. And it wasn't until God got me to the point to where I said it's 100, I'm 100% willing to be a servant that now Jumpin' Jack Tax blew up. Now I just gained three, I gained 200,000 followers in 60 days. You're talking about like like I'm operating in the full so much full purpose right now, brother, that it's moving faster than me. Light speed right now. And it wasn't until the whatever was going on in my heart had to change. But just to kind of summarize it all up, I just want to let all men understand this. Stop moving so fast with being in relationships and sleeping around with so many women and you don't even understand yourself yet. You haven't even found out how to love you. So how can you how can you figure out how to get a woman to love you when you don't know yourself? You haven't found out what makes you tick. You know, you don't even know about the, the, the science of your own body. Like I talked about, about you carrying around your seed and what that actually means, the responsibility of it. You haven't read your Bible or whatever you believe in to understand what's the responsibility that you have as a man of your household. Stop going into this thing called life with no experience whatsoever. Learn yourself. So then when you find a quality, and, and, and God said, like, you findeth a wife. And, and findeth means to stumble upon her while you're on your path. Right? So many of us are trying to find the literal word of find. Like, I'm going to search. Searching so much for her that you're not even searching for your own goals. You done, you done forgot about that. Stay on your course, your path. Learn to love yourself. Have friends, of course, if, that, if, that's, if, that's your, if that's your thing. Have friends. I'm not telling you to do that. But don't get serious until it's time to find it the wife and you stumbled upon her in the midst 
of what you were doing and the purpose that God had over your life. Because if you don't, number one, you're going to screw yourself up financially. Because Lord knows that when you get when you have a woman in your life, you got to start spending some money, and you don't even got if you don't even you don't even got a thousand dollars in your savings account, but you here dating, and you and you and listen, you wasting money right now, and you can't even figure out how to how to how to how to get your own finances in order. So now you bring her into the equation. Now you now you got to figure out how to get both of y'all finances in order. You can't even do it for yourself, right? So get your finances in order. Get your get your mental in order. And get your spirit in order so that you have the spirit of leadership and the spirit of serving. So when you bring that woman into your life, I'm not telling you that you got to have everything together, but you have a foundation, right? And a lot of us men, we're going into relationships with no foundation. Now, I didn't have any, and I talk about this a lot. I talk about cash, credit, or trade, right? I didn't have cash inside of my account when I met my wife. I, you know, I, I had a nice salary. I was making about 60000 a year, but I didn't have any money saved. I didn't have credit at the time. I think my credit was about 600 But one thing that I did have was I had a trade. So what that means is with my trade and finances and having my insurance licenses, I had something to bring to the table that my wife was now able to multiply and turn it into what it is now. Right. So my, my, my skill in finances is what now created Jumpy Jack Tax to be as successful as it, as it is now. But as men, we going into relationships with no cash, no credit, and no trade. What are you bringing to the table? And looking for them to submit to you. And that I'm going to be honest, that type of submission is submission into confusion. Yeah. And, and you have to remember, um, I had met, me and my dad kind of reconnected and started our relationship over at the age 19, 20. And so for me to go to someone who was so confident in his leadership, and um, had a standard of what the way his household ran and family uh, morals and all that kind of stuff, I would say that it was just very, very important to have a man who was willing to learn and willing to be um, to submit to the family to understand because he wasn't even prepared to be my husband when we met. And I'm and I'm glad you said that that you don't necessarily I don't want to I don't want to make it seem like you have to be this perfect put together person Absolutely to meet a woman, not. but one thing you have to be willing to do is to learn and to submit to any information, willing to pour into you to become a better man. Because the I believe that seventy percent of our relationship was facilitated and made easy for one of us to love each other. Because there were a lot of things in this world we did not have to fight that my father fought for us. Hey, guys, talk about finances like this together. Never hide nothing. When something's happening, you better speak up and say something. He built me up as a woman. Listen, Dana, there was even conversations that might have made Don feel very uncomfortable. Where he said, yo, Don, I mean, he used some choice of your words. Look, I'm going to say this in front of your face so that I don't have to say this behind my daughter's back. Yo, Dana, when it comes to your money, you put this in place, this in place, and you check this. You don't accept that kind of conversation. You don't accept those type of excuses. There were at times where we serve so many different purposes in each other's life because usually the average husband and wife, they go to one job, they go to the other, and then they come spend time home, share their day. But we are each other's day. We are each other's business. We are each other's business partners. So we're together 24-7, 24 hours a day with the rest of our family. 
So this ministry has made, just like when you go to a church and you have um, kind of like uh, couples meetings and, mm-hmm. and, and the pastor speaks life into you, this family, this office, this wolf pack is the ministry that continues to pour into our relationship that makes loving each other a little bit more easier mm. with the outcome of, okay, now are we, are we talking about finances? Are we struggling? Nope. That's the, the ticking time bomb. That's not, a, not something that we have to worry about. You know what I mean? Okay, is one of you guys super unconfident that the other one just walks all over each other? No, we empower each other separately so that when we're together in a unit, we can cohesively um, have a constructive conversation about coming to a solution. You can't sit here and be extraordinary once again in your business and not apply those same habitual solution-orientated thoughts when it comes to relationships. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, people may say that we're crazy. Or the way that we constantly talk about something and talk about something. Well, when we're here sitting in the office coming up with a solution to a problem in business, we're literally sitting here bouncing ideas like, okay, so what are we about yeah. to do? So what are you going to do? So what can you do? Damn. So then, then what happens if we do this? And then, then we do the same thing in our marriage. All right, I don't like the way you just made me feel. So what are you going to put in place for it never to happen again? Because if it happens again, it might be more detrimental. And so it's like things like that where I just encourage Find someone who's just willing to serve. And if you guys are willing to serve one another, you guys will have no problem growing. What is it that the Lord gives you and what's around you? And so he was willing to serve me in a, in a non-normal way of society where a woman is supposed to submit to a man. But my thing is, are we submitting to one another? And are we doing what's necessary for this family legacy to be taken to the next level when me and Don die? Or will we be forgotten about? Thanks. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, there's just been so much wisdom that you guys provided today, like words. This has been one of the longest podcasts, but I pray that people have cherished every last minute of it because I know I got to go back and listen to it a whole bunch of times because there's just so much things that you guys have brought to the table that I want to apply to my life. I want to check for my life. And I want to make sure that I'm living this out. So in closing, if there's a if there's a message that you guys want to leave the audience with, what would you want to tell them that you feel like will help them, empower them, to uplift them, to encourage them after they hear the podcast episode? One word or two words. Stay connected. I think even when we talk about the church, They tell you to plant your feet somewhere, somewhere you believe that is kind and loving and can help you grow. Just stay connected. Why listen to this podcast and just keep it moving? The way that we change, even when we realize with with family, right, when we have family meetings, a lot of the same conversations about selfishness, ego, pride, um, discipline, they come up multiple, multiple times in very different manners because it's hard for us to apply them in just one area of our life without having to renegotiate, oh, oh, I need to be disciplined here too. So my thing is stay connected. Stay connected with us. You know, we're constantly just trying to expand this family that we have, and it can't just be us that's thriving. We're the only ones on the block doing good, you know? And so just stay connected. Download the Sprinkle of Jesus app. Download the Jumping Jack Tax app. And most importantly... If you're listening and you're not an entrepreneur, don't feel like you're bullied to be one. If you're not an entrepreneur, then guess what? You're good at something. So go find someone worth serving that you believe in the vision and you become extraordinary at your position and you become a value to someone's mission. And I just encourage like, just use us. 
And if, if that's something, whether it's coming to work with the Wolfpack or, you know, actually using one of our services, we cannot keep complaining, like you said, or being a referee, throwing in these, these, these foul flags of how jacked up our community is. Do not listen to this podcast and at least just go go to download the app, go to our website, see if any of them would be of value to your family's life. We can't keep listening to these things and listening about the problems. Go actually search for the solution. And we're telling you, bro, we've specifically built out plans in many different areas and different businesses so that these were no longer being referees, but we're actually being the coaches and the players in this game. And so please use us. That's the, that's the, the only thing that I could leave off with saying is if we're not useful, we're useless. And we are deeming ourselves useful because we're intentionally doing what we can to provide for other people. So please use us. As much as possible, I want to be drained by the time that we leave this earth. I want us to have nothing left to give, and we cannot do that if you as an individual aren't ready to take and to actually elevate your life with doing something different. Because if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got, and that's no longer an option because we hate it right now. Mm. For all of my men that are listening, my advice is to learn a skill or trade yeah. To feed yourself and family and put your passion to the side. Okay. And I'm not telling you to get rid of your passion. What I'm telling you is to learn a skill where you can make enough money to now invest in that passion. No. Right? And for me, a lot of men right now do not have skills. We're chasing a pipe dream of wanting to be the next rapper to go to the NFL or the NBA and you have a less than 1% chance to be able to get there when there are surefire routes such as yeah. going into the tax industry and learning how to become a tax professional, which we do for you at Jumpin' Jack Tax. But now in the tax industry, you can serve those in your community and just by doing about 300 people's taxes, you can make anywhere between ninety dollars to $100,000 in four months. Now, imagine if you were able to take that ninety to $100,000 that you just made in four months off your skill, and now, for example, my passion is in restaurants, I got 100000 to now invest in opening that restaurant. But we try to take the hard route of learning that, of trying to figure out this passion. And now we, we spend years and years and years, and we're being irresponsible. Learn a skill or learn to trade and let that invest inside of your passion. And number two, understand that we have a responsibility to our communities. Yeah. We have responsibilities to be men. We have responsibility to, to, uh, to be an example for our village. We have the responsibility of being fathers to many. Yeah. We have a responsibility of showing an overall sense of discipline in our lives when it comes to the mental aspect, the spiritual, the emotional, from a relationship with your wife to making sure that you're not carrying around this badge of honor of sleeping around with multiple women because that's, that's what makes you look cool and not realizing that the new standard is actually having a wife that you respect and honor and having kids that you take care of. And we need to promote more of that message. So for men, learn that skill or trade. You can always come to Jumpin' Jack Tax, download the Jumpin' Jack Tax app. My company will teach you how to start a tax business so that you're able to feed your family, have purpose, and be able to improve your legacy. That's awesome. And just awesome. thank you. Yeah. What you're doing is extraordinary. This is my first time actually meeting you and having a conversation with you. 
And I truly do believe that you've embraced exactly what you desired because I felt like we had a realistic conversation. We gave each other extraordinary um, ability to voice our opinion and find common ground of relatability. And I felt like I was speaking to a roommate. So I just want to let you know that I'm, I'm proud of what you're doing. And it's people like you that open up this conversation to transcend through this thing that we're calling the devil at the same time, technology, social media. And so what you're doing, bro, it's time to take it to the next level. Yeah. For sure. Yo, you, I understand something, we, you know, we was talking about before we ended of how you kind of pushed it to the side a little bit in interview with Prince because you didn't want it to come off a certain way. You're not a slave to perception. You're a slave to the word. And so any point in time you believe that someone has something to say, you never stop your own blessing or what God is trying to do in your life. Because forget about the podcast. We could be here just for this meeting so that we could advance your life or you could do the same for us. And I want you to know that this will indeed, because I have the confidence that the Lord is a conduit with all of us, that we won't leave the same because we're going to be able to be resourceful to one another. But never shut out any when you know, when you know it's good. Yeah. When God said it's good, it is good and there's nothing taking away from it. And either the people who need to hear it or the people that don't agree, you only need that one person. And I hope you remember that. Yeah. We could sit here and look at the views. We could sit here and look at the what's the name. But God just wants, to wants you to speak to the next Jesus. He wants you to speak to the next Dana Chanel. He wants you to speak to the next Prince Chanel. He wants you to speak to the next doer so that the second the doer is in a, a position of power and influence, that he's reminded of you. And so forget everybody else, but the very people you know are going to do something with this information. Thanks for having us on. Thank no, you. I, no, I appreciate you guys as well, guys. Make sure you reach out to them. Where can they find you at social media? Download the Jumping Jack Tax app. Sheesh. That's what he and wants. Go <laughs> listen to all of his other podcasts because, I mean, we're the best, but go. Yes. <laughs> Maybe not the best. <laughs> but uh, no, guys, definitely check them out, guys. Please be sure to support. Thank you guys so much. My name is Afis, and I'm joined by Prince Donnell and Dana Chanel. And we are the roommates, and adios.